Uh, tonight, folks, we're going to dig into Timothy, First uh, Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3, verses 3 through 16. Uh, and uh, the, the, uh, the, the version, the new King James version that I read gives a different title, but after studying this for literally weeks and thinking of a different title, and I titled this, Is Anyone Worthy? You know, uh, based on what, what uh, it teaches us, what Paul is teaching, encouraging Timothy through, and then understanding the requirements of a leader in the church. And one thing that I always say, especially with the men on Saturday, and you guys have heard it before, be careful when you seek to be on the front line, because you're not going to like what you see in a, in a lot of cases. And, and it, sometimes if your heart is not right, if you're in a spot that you don't belong, you're going to get discouraged because you get to see a lot of things that don't line up with the word of God. You're going to see a lot of hearts that are, are far from the Lord. You're going to see a lot of hypocrisy. You're going to see a lot of people who have no desire to serve the Lord, but they do honor tradition just being here. Just being, just coming to the church. No, no real desire to serve, but just to socialize and to just sort of hang out. But that's not the case here, uh, obviously. So we're going to dig in and, and just see what he has for us. So as we go through this, I, I challenge you tonight to continue to ask yourself as we go through this, because we're going to talk about the qualifications of overseers, uh, uh, elders, deacons, uh, and in, in addition to that, uh, Paul doesn't mention it specifically, but he makes reference to the wives or the women that are serving the ministry as well. And sometimes we get into this and we say men, men, men. And there are, there are, uh, are certain qualifications that the Lord has not given you. But as a servant, if you don't have a servant heart, servant's heart, you're going to get eaten up spiritually. So I pray that if you desire to be in the ministry, that you have a true servant's heart. And that way you won't see all the hardships that go with it. Let's start off with uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires a position of a bishop, he desires a good work. And Paul wrote this letter to instruct Timothy regarding the church. And it's important that the leaders of the church, that its leaders be qualified to teach and be an example to the church body. Very important. Qualified to teach and be an example. It's difficult to, to first of all, to, to be, I won't say difficult. If, if the Lord doesn't have a hold of your heart, it's difficult to teach because what you have a tendency to do, you'll get up and give your opinion of a lot of things. So I found that when we stick with the word of God, we can't go wrong. If there's anybody who's in opposition, take it up with the Lord. Take it up with what it says in the Bible. This is not my opinion. In this case, if a man desires, that desire means to reach out. It's an external action. To reach out. I desire to be in that position. So I reach out for it. That second desire is uh, it means a strong passion or internal action. So I'm reaching out. But if my heart is not with that external if the internal and the external don't match, you're going to find out that there's going to be, it's going to be chaotic. And the Lord is not a God of confusion. He always makes it clear what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants it, and even who he wants. So a combination of these two terms is the outcome of who belongs in the ministry. You have that desire to reach out, and your heart also has that desire to bring it in or to give it out. So we need those two combinations. We need those two desires in order to serve the Lord with a pure conscience. Not just a conscience, a pure conscience. Clean, righteous. We have that desire. A bishop. A bishop is an overseer uh, and identifies those responsibilities for leading the church. That's what a bishop does. That's what a bishop is. Pastors, overseers, and, and elders are responsible to lead, preach, Teach, help the spiritually weak, care for the church, and ordain other leaders. 
And that's a lot. And especially if you are not called to that, you'll get burned out. And, you know, he will strengthen you when he needs to. But when the Lord knows and you know that you don't belong there, it won't be the same. So these are the things that the pastors, overseers, and elders are responsible to do. Chapter 2, verse 2, excuse me. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, and able to teach. Who's worthy? Is anyone worthy of that? How do you attain that? Uh, the first word that we're going to look at first is the word must. It's not suggested. Paul does not suggest that you, that, that you do these things. It is absolutely mandatory for church leaders. It's absolutely mandatory. And Paul is making it very clear. He could have said that the bishop then can be blameless, should be blameless. He says must. Must be blameless. No excuses. Well, you see what happened is I was just being myself. Well, we got a problem right away. Hey, I'm just a guy. I just do what guys do. We got a problem, folks. If you are called to that position, the Lord has given you a different heart. He's given you a different mind. He's given you a different spirit. That's why these things can be considered a must. Mandatory. He must be blameless. And blameless means not able to be held. No valid accusation of wrongdoing can be held against a church leader. And the word of God says, abstain from even the appearance of evil. We have a tendency to do some things that we consider uh, innocent. I, I remember... Um, Several years ago, uh, with, when, with the senior pastor at that time, and he cautioned me uh, because I was working at, at a company, and the tendency was to go to lunch with whoever asked. And I had no problem with that because I'm innocent, and I assume that person's in it, so we're just having lunch, just grabbing a burger together. Richard, having dinner Having a meal with someone could be most of the intimate moments that you'll ever experience. I never thought about that. You know, I got good intentions. And again, I'm making an assumption that person has good intentions. So what can go wrong? We're innocent. Even the perception, even the appearance of evil. Someone from the body walks in and well, I think it's okay. I, I, Richard goes to dinner with a lunch with his coworkers of different gender, so must be okay. But we all, and we'll talk about this later in a few minutes. We all know what this can lead to, and it may not necessarily be about you. It you it causes you to stumble another sister, another brother by what you're doing. So that's why we have to follow what he's put for us here. A bishop must be the husband of one wife. Now, what does that mean? He can only be married to one woman. You mean no, no, uh, he can't have more than one wife. It's not referring to that at all. It's referring to, uh, it's not referring to marriage or divorce, but a moral and sexual purity. Moral and sexual purity. Is that an issue? Yes, it is. Look around you today. Look around you today and look especially at what's going on with us. This qualification, uh, this qualification leads the list because it's in this area that leaders are more prone to fall. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. We are prone. And regardless of who you are, regardless of how grounded you are, that propensity to fall on any given day, on any given moment, I'm a strong Christian, so I don't have to be concerned about that. Nonsense. You need to be concerned about that. And there are many who fall in thinking that, you know, they, they're re- I'm, I'm really anchored to the rock, so I don't have a concern. And don't get me wrong. I'm not underestimating anybody's faith or their beliefs, but I know 
that the word of God tells us that we are men of like passion. And we do have that tendency to fall into temptation. All of us. There's no one in this room who's exempted from that. We have a tendency to fall into temptation. And that's why the Lord, the Holy Spirit, needs to be with us at all times. And he is. There's no question about that. But sometimes the old flesh says, hey, I got a better plan. And not only that, but who's going to know? Who's going to know? This is just between me and and this person. Nobody's ever going to know. God knows. God knows. And he's already given you an example of where you can go and hide from him. And if I recall, I don't think there's any place you can go and hide from him. This is what I read. And I believe it. You can't hide from it. Uh, The uh, bishop must be temperate. Temperate in this context means alert, watchful, vigilant, and clear-headed. A leader must be able to think clearly at all times. Well, brother, I was just having a bad day and I made a bad decision. How many times can we use that excuse? I had a bad day and made a bad decision. I don't know what I was thinking. I was not aware. We have to be concerned about that. We have to make sure that we are in the Lord's hand at all times. If you're going to be a leader in the church, absolutely mandatory. Is anybody worthy? Who's worthy of that high calling? A bishop must be sober-minded. Sober-minded means disciplined, able to properly order his priorities and serious about spiritual matters. Now, this is one where, as I'm reading this and really thinking about that, must be serious about spiritual matters. And being around leaders, some leaders, we have a tendency to do coarse jesting. Now, I don't know if some of you know what that really means. It means we're sort of joking, but here's the curb, and once in a while we'll go across, we'll step across the curb in the name of joking, kidding. So when it says, but it's specific, it says must be serious about spiritual matters. Yeah, we can joke, but when it comes to the thing of the Lord, you better make sure that that word is rightly divided. Because if it isn't, you're setting your, not just yourself up for failing, from our vantage point, the Lord doesn't look at it that way as failure. But you've got to make sure that you don't cause others to fail or others to stumble. Serious about spiritual matters, very important. Uh, a bishop must be of good behavior. Hmm. That indicates being orderly and not chaotic. Does that leader seem to be chaotic, walking around with, you know, not knowing what's going on around him? We can't afford to be that way. We got to know. We got to know because God has put these sheep in our pasture. And he has given us opportunities to guide, encourage, feed, comfort. And if we don't know what's going on around us, if we're so caught up in other things, then we can't possibly be attentive to the things that the Lord has put before us. Worldly things. Things that we should not occupy our time with. Is anybody worthy? A bishop must be hospitable. Hospitable. He must love strangers. Hmm. It's not always easy. And the body should be able to see our spiritual character. Are you okay as a leader? Are you okay with the body seeing? Are you okay as a worship leader? Are you okay as as a leader of the word, the teaching, the preaching? Are you okay if the body can see your spiritual character? Well, sometimes, well, if you say sometimes, that means a definite no. That means you're not. You're not comfortable with them seeing your spiritual character. 
you're not comfortable because you know that your spiritual character may not line up with that, what the Lord is trying to impute into you. You've got to know that you know that you know that your spiritual character is okay to be seen by anybody in this body, anybody in this church, and those outside as well. The people outside of here or any church should have just as much respect for who you are and even more respect for whose you are, no matter what. It has nothing to do with believers versus non-believers. You are what you are. You can't be a chameleon as a Christian. You can't. It's not possible. You can't be a social uh, question mark. Well, I know they go to church, but I don't know. That language is a little, little blue. That shouldn't be. You want the members of the body to be able to see your true character. True character. Pure righteousness. A bishop must be able to teach. And that is the only qualification that separates the elders, the overseers, the deacons, from the deacons. The only, everything else the deacon is responsible, the only thing that Paul doesn't address for the deacon here is teaching. Doesn't say that that deacon can't or won't, but that's not one of the qualifications. As an elder, as an overseer, as a bishop, the Lord has brought you up just a notch. So now that bishop can take care of the physical matters of the church. He can, he can take care of things that, that, while you take care of things that the Lord has deemed, that needs a more instant response. That's the deacon, and that's the only issue. 1 Timothy 3 Chapter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3. Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Wow. An elder must not have a reputation as a drinker, a lush. An elder cannot have a reputation as a lush. His judgment must never be clouded by alcohol. And it doesn't say this, but I'm going to take liberties and say drugs. Well, brother, alcohol is a drug. All I know is the, the, the word addresses alcohol. But I'm going to add that in there. His lifestyle must be radically different from the world, and he must lead others to holiness not sin. Are we doing that? Or is our judgment clouded by alcohol? Is our judgment clouded by drugs? Shouldn't be. That's what the Lord calls us. Cleanliness. We must be radically different from the world. Radically. The bishop must not be violent. Not violent means not a giver of blows. He doesn't get into fisticuffs, unless he's at home. He must react to difficult situations calmly and gently. He must not resort to physical violence. That's a tough one. You know, uh, yeah, I know it says turn the other cheek, but uh, I'm not doing that in this case. Not physical violence. It's a challenge for a lot of us. There's some of us, it's, it's in there. It's in there, folks. That's how we, that's conflict resolution. That's how we perceive it, some of us. But a leader can ill afford to have that because he's going to be confronted with members or non-members who have those tendencies. So what do you do? What do you do when you're counseling that, that couple and the husband doesn't like what you just said? 
So he wants to resort to a little uh, physical stuff. What do you do? And only you can answer that question. The Lord knows what your tendencies are. But these are the kind of things that we have to be conscious of. These are the kind of things that if you're on the front line, you're going to be subjected to that, folks. I'm not saying you have to resort to that, but these are the kind of things that you get to see. These are the kind of people that you're going to get to minister to, counsel, fellowship with. You're going to see all this. How are you going to handle it? So, the, and we'll talk about this also, how the Lord sends you through this process of growth. And that's why he said, well, I'm not sure if this deacon is really ready for this position of an elder, an overseer, a bishop. Because there's still some things that I'm working on. And the Lord knows. A bishop is not greedy for money. That's a really hard one. And uh, it means not covetous. And I didn't even expand on that word because I'm going to say that for later. Because I know when, when, when the, I know that that's one of the ones that it can fall, there's, covetousness is such a large umbrella and no matter who you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how grounded you are, even if there's a mustard seed-sized something inside of you that lends itself to covetousness, it can grow exponentially in a very short period of time because it covers so many things. And we'll talk about a few of those in just a moment. A bishop must be gentle. That indicates considerate, genial, which means having a pleasant disposition or manner, gracious, quick to pardon failure, and one who does not hold a grudge. Now, within that, there are some human tendencies that if you allow the flesh to rule, it's going to overtake you. Not hold a grudge. How many of us can just forgive? How many of us can offer forgiveness? Even more so, how many of us can receive forgiveness? Oh, I do it all the time. Yeah, but examine your motive. I receive this forgiveness because it benefits me. But to give, but to offer forgiveness, I can't do that. Because the word says forgive and forget. No, it doesn't. There's a difference between forgiving and forgetting. And it does, but it's taken out of context as to what that really means. Because you can forgive and not forget. But you can't forget and not forgive. We must be gentle. We must be willing to give it. And, and I just know of a current situation where it just blesses my heart to see uh, forgiveness offered and for, uh, to see forgiveness received. And it was a challenge for both of the people involved, but they're able to do it. Thank the Lord. And that was it. Their flesh would not allow that to take place. But through prayer, through supplication, they were able to be genuine about, will you ever forgive me? And be genuine about, yes, I receive your forgiveness. And I know we've all gone through it. There's no question. I don't know everybody in this room, but I can say with certainty that we've gone through that. And it's very challenging. The flesh wants to run the show. Can't allow that. A bishop must not be quarrelsome. It means to be peaceful and the bishop does not promote disunity, disharmony, or division. Now, I want to clarify that. Because if we are in conversation with a non-believer, that can create a division. And that's to be expected. But let's not sit in the church, in the fellowship hall, and debate scripture. 
well, I don't believe that, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. There's, there's a million examples I could give, but I, I, I better not. I don't believe this, but it says right here in the Bible, yeah, but I don't think it really means that. So we get into this debate about what the scripture's saying based on how I live, what I believe. Not good. A bishop must, a bishop is not covetous. And this is a, a very difficult one. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys, for me, because I got a, an opportunity to share with some acquaintances, I won't say friends, this week. And a lot of things came out. And things that, well, just because I'm looking at my neighbor's new car, and I, that makes me want a new car, I'm not covetous. I'm not saying I want the neighbor's car. So there's a difference. Is there? And, and this is minor. It sounds minor, but these are the kind of things. You know, my neighbor's got a really nice lawn, so I, I want mine to look just as good as theirs. Well, it's not covetousness because I don't want the neighbor's lawn. But you're envying your neighbor. And there's just so many little, little examples that, that we don't even think about. I got to have it. I got to have it. Everybody else has it, so I got to have it. Is that covetousness? You answer it. The leader, uh, the bishop, the deacon must, um, the bishop must not be covetous, means leaders must be motivated by the love for God and his people, not money, not stuff, and not things. Motivated by the love for God. That's it. That's the only thing that's going to either eliminate or minimize our thoughts towards covetousness. The love for God. Because given an opportunity to, as I said earlier, to run the show, that's what the flesh wants to do. Are you going to allow it? Well, brother, what do I do about that? Now, I remember reading somewhere where it says crucify the flesh. Daily. Hour by hour, minute by minute. Very important. That minimizes. And, and can it be eliminated totally? I'm not going to estimate anybody. And I think some of you may be able to minimize it more than others. But you've got to crucify that flesh. You've got to do it. You know, uh, think about what you've done within the last 14 hours where the flesh wanted to rule. Did you give in? Or did you overcome it? Did you allow the Holy Spirit to overcome that? Verse 4. One who rules his own house well, having the children in submission with all reverence. Uh, if the house is not in order, the involvement of the church will not be in order. It's just a given. If your house is not in order, your position, your, your mission in the church is not going to be in order. It's just a natural thing. But supernaturally, the Lord will put you in a position where you can have order in your home and you can have order in your ministry. And eldest children must be believers or faithful, well-behaved, and respectful. That's a, a tough call, folks, because it's saying that you ch your children have to be under submission. Is anybody worthy? Can you say with all honesty that because of you, that your children, your house is in order? Because of you, that your children are under submission? Because of you, that all is well in my home and in my ministry? I can't. I won't. My desire is to be honest with you guys so you can see um, my true character. And it doesn't really matter whether it be here or outside of here. I want you to see that true character. So being totally honest that there are times we got daughters in the story. 
5, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? A leader must have the ability to lead others to salvation and sanctification. He must, be spiritually, he must spiritually set the example of virtue. He must serve others, must resolve conflict, must build unity, and must maintain love. How do you maintain love in the midst of heathens? You can't doesn't mean that you don't try. Maintain love. When things are, when there's chaos going on around me, when, when, as our pastor talked about this morning, when you get tired of the diaper on your face, you know, uh, when you get tired of, of someone telling you that how many people you can have at your home, when you get tired of that, we just got to, we got to get through it. We got to push through. We got to continue to pray. And then when we're done praying, Pray some more. Take a stand for what you believe in. Take a stand for whose you are. Serve others. Must resolve conflict. Build unity and maintain love. Verse 6. Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. And this is the problem uh, that, we, that I referred to earlier about the deacon because if a deacon is a new convert, a new Christian, a baby in Christ, and you put him in that position, I was sort of joking tonight about, yeah, I got a badge. I got a pastor's badge, and I know how to use it. I was kind of joking, but, uh, you know. But this is, where, this is why we have to be uh, concerned with the deacons, because that tendency is there. And a lot of us, well, all of us have been there. You know, we didn't just step into the church and somebody say, hey, here's your badge, you're a pastor. No, that would not have been a good idea. So all the time, the leaders of the church are watching the men and the women in service, the men and women in ministry, and seeing, looking for growth, looking for purity, looking for a, a, a sincere heart to do what they're being asked to do. That's what we're looking for all the time. And the leaders should be drawn from the spiritually mature of the congregation. Spiritually mature. Not novices. Not those who just uh, who view the leadership in the church as they would the corporate environment. Hey, I just got promoted to uh, third class. Well, that, that's okay. If you're in a corporate environment. But it doesn't work that well in the church. Pride is an issue. We all know that. Everybody in this room knows that, regardless of whether you want to admit it or not. Pride is an issue. And when we get to do that, we have to be very, very, very concerned that we don't allow pride to override uh, what the Lord wants to do in us. Satan's uh, condemnment was due to pride over his position. This can happen to a new and weak believer put in a position of spiritual leadership. It can happen. It has happened. And, and I, I think of, of people that, that we know, some of us know, uh, especially who's been put in that position and they were overwhelmed and they expected special privileges as a result of that. Well, I can do anything I want because I'm a pastor. I can do anything I want because I'm an elder. I'm a deacon. No, you can't. You are under the leadership of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what's allowed, or you should know, and what isn't. And be able to keep that under control supernaturally. Naturally, not going to happen. Moreover, verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. We talked about this already. Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. A leader in the church must have an unquestioned reputation in the unbelieving community. Although they may disagree with who he stands for, we should also have a reputation. Those outside of here know about you. They know who you are. And again, they know whose you are. And you will gain that respect. And there's going to be some opposition to what you stand for, but that shouldn't deter you. You're doing what the Lord called you to do. 
and it doesn't really matter who agrees or disagrees. Verse 8, likewise, deacon must be reverent, not double-minded, not given to much wine, not greedy for money. And these are, the, are the, uh, the same, some of the same qualifications, but deacons are defined as those who serve. And it, it originally referred to menial tasks and services in the practical matters of the church. That's what deacon referred to. You know, take care of uh, the cleaning and the organizing and the sweeping and mopping and, and on and on and on and on. And that originally that's what it meant. So the deacon is on a little bit of a different level than, than the others that we spoke of. But then the following qualifications are, are same as with, um, with the others. Reverent, seriousness and mind and, and character. A deacon's speech must not be hypocritical. He must be honest and consistent. In most qualifications, deacon must be the same or similar to elders. Those are the deacons of the church. Nine, verse nine, holding the mystery of the faith with pure conscience. Mystery refers to um, a truth that was previously hidden, but now is revealed. And that can relate to the church, the gospel, lawlessness, and the rapture of the church. Mysteries at one time. And, and with some of us, they're just now being revealed. Some of us, we've seen it, we've read it, we understand it. And there's some new among us who really don't know. What do you mean the rapture? What, what is that about? What do you mean the second coming? What do you mean the beam of seat judgment? I, I don't know what all that means. That's where the leaders should come in and make you aware and you must do this with a pure conscience, a pure conscience. He could have said uh, just doing it with a conscience, but he said with a pure conscience and the faith with a pure conscience, that which is perfect and produces godly pleasure and godly satisfaction. That's where the purity part comes in. We got a conscience. We all got a conscience. What does that conscience allow you to do and not do? What does that conscience allow you to say and not say? A pure conscience is God-led, God-inspired, changes everything. Verse 10, but let those also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. And that ongoing evaluation of a deacon's character and service is done by the church. It's ongoing. I'm observing. I'm observing if this person is dedicated to the cause. I'm looking to see if that sister really, really wants to be in Sunday school ministry. I'm looking to see if that person is really serious about worshiping by the songs that he or she chooses or the Lord chooses for them or do they want to play whatever's on the top 10, if that's such a thing anymore. Where's their heart? Constantly being evaluated. Blameless. Not able to be held. No valid accusation of wrongdoing can be held against a deacon. Be careful. And I've seen our deacons get challenged right here with some, something that we would call minor things. Some things that we have science posts that says, do this, don't do that. Well, I'm special. So I'm gonna, these, this is not meant for me. And to be able to handle that in a godly way. Not always easy. But these are the kind of things you don't expect to see. You expect, if it says don't do this, then no one should challenge me. These are the church bylaws so we can't make it where anything goes if you want to go to the church where anything goes you might want to go down the street a little bit let's honor the Lord in everything 11 likewise their wives must be reverent not slanderers temperate faithful in all things 
as a leader in the church? Are you comfortable with things that the pastor says, what happens, what is said in this room stays in this room? But I got to tell my wife, well, that's not, if the pastor didn't qualify that. Are you going to be able to do that? Are you going to be able to withhold information, private information, personal information that's shared in that room with your wife? Well, I trust my wife. That's really not what it's about. She's got to be, she can't be a gossiper. She must be trustworthy in all aspects of their lives and their ministries. Twelve, let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their house as well. Again, same thing with the, with the elders, overseers. Uh, it's not about marriage or divorce, but of moral and sexual purity in both thought and deed. The qualifications leads the list because it is necessary that leaders are most prone to fall. Again, no one's immune. No one. And the higher we put them on a pedestal, that just gives them more room to fall. Let's not do that. Let's not do them that disservice. Verse 13. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Serve well as deacons. Obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. A good standing, great boldness. The boldness to speak up. The boldness to be able to give the, the truth in love. It does take boldness sometimes. There's some among us who don't want to be not liked. So I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. Now I'm being unfair to myself and to you by doing that. We're not always liked. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It does matter. Nobody wants to be disliked. But sometimes when you tell the truth in love, it's not taken very well. In this case, we're talking about the deacons who are going to be subjected to that. We're talking about the, the, the ones who are serving in the ministry that are going to be subjected to that. The, 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 the child came and told the, the parent that you were mean to them. Sunday school teacher. How do you handle that? You know, you can't just give the old little brat a backhand. Well, you shouldn't, but that's another deal. Verse 14, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. And Paul was coming, but he got delayed in Macedonia, and he sent, sent Timothy this letter to encourage him. Timothy was a young, younger man, and uh, he had, there was a lot to learn. So the Lord sent him this letter to, to encourage him. But if I am delayed, I write you so that you may know how you ought to con conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Can you maintain that? Can you maintain the ability to be uh, a member of the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth? Who's worthy? Is anybody worthy? As I stand here tonight, I, I, I just keep thinking about some of the things that, that we get to hear, we get to see, some things that just rip your heart out. And, and I, I have very personal ones but I, I don't feel it would be appropriate to share that right now. Some things that, that, that are presented to us as leaders in the church. And it really breaks your heart. And I know we all got a soft spot for something, for marriage, for wives, for husbands, for children, for families, for people who are struggling, uh, who are unequally yoked, perhaps. We all have a soft spot for that. And now you're confronted with it. 
maybe even on a regular basis. You're confronted with that. How do you handle it? How do you handle when they come in and their issue touches the softest spot in your heart? Now your desire is to want to fix it. Well, I pray for you. Now it's time to fix it. We're doing them a disservice because now we want to settle it. We want to fix it the way that we know. We want to do for them what I did to resolve my issue. You're going to get to see an unfaithful husband. You're going to get to see an unfaithful wife. It's going to tear your heart if that's your soft spot. What do you do about it? Well, if I were you, I would just leave the scoundrel. Is that really the answer from the Lord? The Lord detests these types of separation. When, I, when he's joined two together, let no one take it, take it apart. I detest, I hate divorce. So now you're encouraging that? You're going to get to see a child that's been abused or is being abused. And at some point, that husband or that wife is going to walk out of the door going back into that home. And the beat goes on. How do you handle that? What do you do? You're going to get to see someone who's in a very similar situation that you've been in or you are in. How do you resolve that? Are you the kind of person that say, well, I pray for him. That's all I can do. Is that your heart? These, this is what you get to see, ladies and gentlemen. Not easy. You've got to be spirit-led. At all times, we can't afford to give our opinion about anything. It's got to come from the word of God. Tell them, thus says the Lord, pray with them, pray for them, and continue to pray for them. Continue to seek the Lord's advice on what's next. Continue to take a stand. Continue to fight that good fight. Is anybody worthy? Verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. In these three verses, 14, 15, and 16, uh, those verses serve to reveal the heart of the church's mission and message. Are you capable of carrying out the church's mission and message? Are you capable? God needs, needs us to go to war. God needs warriors. Warriors. Willing, able, and ready. Is that you? Are you ready to go to war? Are you ready to, go, to take up the, your armor? Are you willing to go on the battle lines for the Lord? Are you willing to take the hits? Are you willing to take the insults? Are you willing to take the rejection? Are you? And if the answer is maybe then don't go. You've got to know that the Lord has it covered. And we can rest in the fact that it says we never have to be concerned about being alone. The Lord has already told us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Do you trust that? Can you trust that? Will you trust that? Lord, I, I believe what you say, but, 
right away you just eliminated that whole sentence. Know that you know that you know that his promises are yea and amen. You got to know it, folks. My sisters, my brothers, you got to know it. You got to trust him. Because left to our own device, we would create chaos rather than resolve it. We would create conflict. Fields are white. The workers are few. We all know that. Are you doing your part? Are you being his hands? Are you being his feet? And yeah, we do great things within these four walls. What do you do when you go out into your mission field? Do your friends, do your acquaintances even know that you're a Christian? think so no they gotta know are you ashamed of the gospel you can't afford to be ashamed of the gospel we gotta be bold as lions we gotta be able to witness we gotta be able to encourage we gotta be able to be encouraged no matter where we go no matter when we go no matter who we're with, we have to promote the gospel. And just like when Paul, back earlier in, in, in that's the directive that the Lord has put on my heart for us. Everybody within the sound of my voice, that's the message that he had given us. Be bold. Be bold. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. But Lord, I heard you the first time. With your ears. You didn't hear me with your heart. Because you're fearing right now. But I don't like rejection. He suffered a greater resistance. Yeah. Let's not be afraid, folks. Let's not be afraid. Let's take a stand for what we believe in.